Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to 2023, such as it is. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is our first show of the year on our pre-K-12 education talk radio, and thanks so much for being here with us on this kind of dreary morning here in Maine. Okay, and we're going to have a uh, night. I'm going to have a show to maybe brighten you up a little bit and get you thinking as the new year begins. I've got that Maureen Kelleher Maureen Kelleher here. Okay, Maureen Kelleher. Sorry, Maureen. Okay, is a, she's an editorial partner at EdPost, which is part of Brightbeam. Okay, she's a veteran education reporter based in Chicago, as you know, all know where I used to live. Okay, and she has her work featured in a whole bunch of places. She has, we're going to talk today about an article called Jane Crow, Then and Now. Okay, and it's an article that explores how white women, okay, as mothers and teachers have historically used their position to preserve systems of what they call oppression, okay, and perhaps racism, and how that history might still be happening today, okay, and how we have to be aware of this, okay, and look at it not only from a historical perspective, but also from a current one. So at any rate, okay, wow, really something. Anyway, I'm Larry Jacobs. It's great to have you here. It's going to be great to talk to Maureen. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That, of course, is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity. Great show for that. Okay. Uh, The American Consortium for Equity and Education at ace-ed.org. Everything we do is over there. Our magazine, Equity and Access Pre-K-12, all the podcasts are archived over there. Links to our websites, which are teacherretention.com, teacher-retention.com, and seltoday.org, and a whole lot of other information that our wonderful editor, uh, Maya Appleby, puts up there. So please check out ace-ed.org. Again, this podcast will be archived over there. So let me say a big good morning, too, into Chicago, my old hometown, where my kids were born. Hello, Maureen. It's Larry here. Hi, Larry. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Same to you, my dear. Same to you. Where are you in Chicago? I am on the south side, not too far from the stadium where the White Sox play. I've heard of Comiskey Park, by the way. I used to live, however, yes. however, however, here is the great civil war in Chicago. I lived far north, okay, in Rogers Park. Okay, so I was a Cubs gotcha. fan. What are we going to do about that, Marie? What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? Well, Larry, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. I was a Northsider for 17 years, and when I bought a house down here in back of the yards, home of Upton Sinclair in the jungle, I, I joked about having housewarming party invites with a little Cubs hat and a little there arrow and a little socks hat. <laughs> what do you say? There you go. <laughs> kind of a meeting of the minds there to bring it all together. Okay, it's nice to have you right. here, Marina. It really is. And, I, and I, I think the weather was pretty good. You guys survived that big storm, okay, in that freezing cold weather a couple of weeks ago. I've been fr- I'm in touch with my yes. Chicago friends. Yes, and now it's probably a lot like Maine. Yep, gray and dreary, but not too cold here today. Exactly, gray and dreary and about 40 degrees. So there you go, same same weather. Okay, so why did I move? Well, I moved here because there's a lot of trees here. Okay, but we'll just move on on this. Okay, Maureen, you have a tremendous background, 
okay, in education writing. Did you you wrote this article, I assume, am I correct? Or did you edit this article? Right. So well I, I am the editor of this package. I did write I wrote a bit in here. So this is this is more than one article. There's a whole lot oh, okay. of stuff in Thank here. You. We, yeah, Thank you. just ahead. so you know, if you go to edpost.com where you search Jane Crow then and now in Google, you'll find our whole multimedia site, um, which has uh, some historical and journalistic pieces. It has a number of reflection essays from teachers. It has a multimedia gallery of the women we call accomplices. They are the white women who bucked the trend and worked hard for educational justice for uh, particularly black people and young black women. And I'll mm. tell you a story about one of them later. Um, okay. And reflections from contemporary teachers thinking about, like, how they can bring what we call cultural humility to their work. So yeah. it's just it's a greater understanding of, you know, I am also a former high school teacher, I should say. I, ah, I did that before I started journalism. I taught what English. Teach? Oh, well, I taught high school English. Journalism, so I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. totally. <laughs> right. English, so journalism, about that makes just, sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Just getting out of your own head to understand your students and their cultural context and it's how that way, affects how by, you relate to them. By the way, the Chicago girl. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention to you, did you, I'm sure you're familiar with kids with Chicago Parent News Magazine. Oh, yeah. Yeah? My wife founded that. Yeah. My wife oh, is no a founder. Yeah, look at oh, the cover. You'll see her name, Carolyn Jacobs, along with her partner, who's since passed away, unfortunately. Oh. Okay, how oh. about that? Huh? There's a little bit of Chicago. How about uh, that? Yeah, I'm a fan of Chicago, Chicago Parent. For you. You, can, you can say you <laughs> talk to the husband of the founder of Chicago Parent. I meant to mention that at, at the beginning. Okay, many, many years Terrific. ago she founded that. Okay, and uh, wow, this is really... Um, it was really something. By the way, I meant to tell you, I went to brightbeam.org, okay? Mm-hmm. It, 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 the site isn't operating. And then I tried Brightbeam no, Network. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so, okay, here's what's going on. Brightbeam is the publisher of EdPost. Okay. And we're in the process of developing out the Brightbeam site. But oh, in the okay. meantime, edpost.com is our flagship site, which is where all our articles Great. and such are. Yeah. Okay. Thank so find you. us so, at edpost.com, totally, and watch for Brightbeam. When brightbeam.org uh, really launches later this year, there'll be a lot of really great education information there. We're working with a lot of really good partners uh, like Future Ed, probably Serpy, some oh, other I folks. <laughs> Phyllis is going to be on yeah, my show next week. And I'm we'll, just talking to Phyllis. Oh, yeah. oh wonderful. Oh, that's great. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah. We love them. And so, yeah. like, basically, no, no, we want to be kind of the reader's <laughs> – yeah, we want to be the reader's digest for them. So Right. They're terrific. And, and listen, when all this happens – I know Stacy is listening. When all this happens, get back in touch with me, and we'll get you back on Absolutely. and get it, get it rolling out there, okay? Assuming you're going to have a terrific. good time, which you already are on this podcast today, okay? So yeah. this is going to be far, good. So We're going to get <laughs> We're going to get <laughs> And we're going to get it all together. And, you know, I, I, I have to say, I when I was talking about what this, um, what your project, what this article is about, what this show is about, I felt a little bit uncomfortable, okay? And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you on that. I want you to kind of put it into a perspective, 
okay? Because sure. we said that, uh, quote, I'm going to read what, what uh, Stacey gave me. Stacey's the PR firm, okay? Stacey Finkel. Um, we're going to explore how journalists and advocates, how white women, as mothers and teachers, have historically used their position to preserve systems of oppression. Now, obviously, there's a zillion white women who don't feel that way, okay? But we're talking about the people who reacted, I think we're going to say this way, racially to this and how that's been an ongoing challenge. And a lot of those people are, in fact, white women, okay? But I don't want exactly. to indict all white women. I, I want to say this the right way, you know what I mean? So help me out there. Right. So I'll do my best to help you out there. And as yeah. a member of the group under discussion, I'll, I'll do my very best here. So, yeah. I mean, what we're talking about here is kind of challenging paradigms. And I'll use, I'll use words that, like, get people's back up. But I'll tell you, when I was a college student, I had the great fortune and the real honor to be able to take a class with uh, Bell Hooks of blessed memory. Do you know of her? Yeah. Mm, um, I do and not. I was in that. Okay. Bell hooks is a bell hooks died recently within the last couple of years. She was an amazing professor and film critic and cultural critic. And she talked a lot about, uh, are you there? How to, yeah, yeah I'm here. I'm thinking about how to okay, say what good. I want to say. So, um, so she, yeah. yeah. So she talked a lot about um, how how white supremacy operates in contemporary culture, from the ways it operates in literature and film to how it operates in the classroom, like all kinds of different things. And so, you know, I'm like 20 years old, and I'm in her classroom, and I'm in this wonderful classroom. So we're, in we're college. talking about five years. We're talking about five years ago. We are, exactly. Yeah, you were 20 years old. Yeah, I just wanted to put that I in wish. the historical was, perspective for you. I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was okay. a lot longer ago than that. I'll be, I'll be clear. Sure, no, yeah. I appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, you know, I'm a young kid, and I'm in this room, and, like, you know, here's this professor, and I'm in this wonderful class about black women and their fictions. We read, like, everything Toni Morrison had written up to that point. Mm -hmm. We read Alice Petrie's The Street. We read a lot of great books. And... Uh, um, Bell Hooks would use the phrase white supremacy a lot, and the hair on the back of my neck would go up. I'm like, white supremacy? What are we talking about? Isn't that over with? Da, 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 da. And I remember writing, she had to keep journals, and I wrote in my journal at that time, well, if Miss Watkins, and that was her professorial name, has to say this so loud and so strong, I guess I'd better listen. And what I got out of that semester was that, it's an interesting line between I don't have to take this per so personally that I feel guilty about it or I'm, like, stuck in paralysis about it or I'm, like, flash angry, you know, like, defensive about it. But I do have to look at what is the legacy of, you know, mm -hmm. the founding fathers were – white settlers, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're the, it's the same dynamic that happened here that happened in South Africa and other parts of the world. Europeans came in and colonized this country. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here on the land of the three fires, right? And mm -hmm. we, we like forcibly stole millions of people from Africa and enslaved them in this country. And like, yes, we did. no, you know, my, sure. And like, 
yeah, did my, you know, did my ancestors get here on the Mayflower? No. Some of them came in the potato famine. Some of them came later. But we all benefited from this legacy if we have white skin. That is just a reality. And, like, we can look at this reality and we can say, well, how does it persist in the current situation? And how does it persist in schools and classrooms and in how mm-hmm. we think about education? And, like, mm-hmm. that's what this package is really calling us mm-hmm. to do, is to look at that legacy and to say, all right, how do we take responsibility for that now in the present moment? Most of us don't want to be associated with that. Some of us, unfortunately, some of the things, some of the things that are values for some folks are rooted in that. And that's where mm-hmm. we'll get into talking about Moms for Liberty and some of the controversy that's happening currently but like many of us who don't want to participate in that we're not always aware of the ways that we are inadvertently participating in that and this is this package is designed partly to help us look at the historical roots of what's going on with you know the book bans and all that kind of stuff right and then the other part and this is trickier and harder i think but as a teacher i think it's also crucially important is to look at ourselves as leaders in classrooms and in schools and say, what do I not know about how best to work with my kids? Where do I need to like get out of my own head and my assumptions? So those are the two, those are the two main goals of doing this package. One is to just say, Hey, wait, moms for Liberty didn't just spring out of nowhere a year and a half ago. There are big historical roots to this that they don't want to talk about, but if you look at their rhetoric and you look at what they're talking about, it traces all the way back into like the 19 teens and 20s in how Southern women operated to maintain racial hierarchies. And then the second part is how do we today in our classrooms think about our identities and our students' identities and how we can build better bridges between each other. And we know that that's really necessary in the classroom today. Yeah. It re- excuse my voice. It really and truly is. And you know, as I was planning this show, I, and I, 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 I've lived in New England for thirty years. I grew up in Philadelphia, and we lived in Chicago for a long, long time. Okay, but we all remember, and then it brought back kind of uh, um, with Louise Day Hicks and the, say, the, the mm-hmm. school segregation in in Boston. I believe in the nineteen sixties. Okay. Right. And you know, when you said a minute ago that it was you know Southern women, yeah, but that may have started at the very beginning. But we're only kidding ourselves if we don't think it was kind of everywhere. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and 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 that is a key thing. And the the key to this, and it's the same thing about that idiotic phrase, critical race theory, which I think is a moronic phrase that doesn't even really matter. Okay. The point is, you can't hide your head in the sand. Okay. Things happen over a long period of time. We have to understand where they came from. Okay. And look to change it now. And we have to change it now without without guilt. Okay. We just have to understand it and move it forward. Okay. But we got to understand where we were so we don't fall into the same trap. Same trap again. Trap again. Okay. Yeah, which I think, which I think is so important. Which brings up, and I don't know the group you're referring to, but I I know probably what they do. Moms for Liberty. What is this? Thing? Yes. Okay. Is that the so moms for Liberty. School board meetings. Is that the screamers right. at school board meetings? Yeah. Okay. 
that's that's yeah. one that's one group that's a that's a that's a pretty well known group of them. So Moms for Liberty got its start in Florida um, and was founded by folks with some close ties to like Republican folks and uh, the DeSantis campaign. Okay. Um, and they started as moms who were, you know, they present themselves as moms who are concerned for their children's welfare and don't want to hear about uh, certain ugly aspects of our history, which are all sort of lumped under this umbrella of critical race theory, um, which then sort of becomes, it's absurd, becomes meaningless, um, and then are also very concerned about, quote, unquote, woke gender ideology, which basically means, like, you can't. Yeah, you can't teach kids die. how to be tolerant we're, of other we're people. To right. die. Yeah. Great exactly. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So and so uh they've they've grown like wildfire. There are chapters all over the country. Um our lead story in the package was written was written by uh well known education journalist Rebecca Klein, where she do, she goes mm-hmm. in and looks at um how the 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 ideas and the words, the rhetoric they're using, link back to the world of Louise Day Hicks and sure. the, yeah, and you know yeah. uh, Florence Ogden and the and Nell Battle Lewis. I want to bring in here, if you want to understand the history of this, um, a really great book that was the foundation of our project is called Mothers of Massive Resistance by historian Elizabeth McRae. She's fantastic. And Mothers of did, Massive Resistance. Yes. Right? Okay. Right. I'm writing it Mothers down. of Massive Resistance. Yeah, yeah. You want to check this book out. It's, like, very well researched. She looks at uh, how – and it's a, it's a really interesting companion to feminist history. Um, often we – like it's the feminist history of segregation in a way. I mean, when we look back at the civil rights era, we think about the men, right? We think about Orville Faubus and, you know, all these governors and the men running white citizens councils and stuff. And what she did was trace the history of how women cultivated and like used their political power. So don't think that like helpless white women were just sitting around while their men did all the work. Ah, got it. Well, yes, right, right. And and yes, and she also talks about to link back to what you were saying, that this goes far beyond the South. Um, Oh, without question. There were networks. Without question. Oh, totally. There were networks of like-minded women, you know, across the country in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. In fact, the article that Rebecca wrote for us leads with um, uh, Pasadena book banning. Actually, I think it was wow. book banning. It was definitely like wow. a curricular <laughs> argument, and the superintendent yeah. got thrown out. And so, like, you definitely check this out. But, like, if you really want to go deep, Mothers of Massive Resistance by Elizabeth McRae is the book that you want to read. That's cool. I was a former history teacher, and that's the kind of thing that I that I do like learning about because it's a little deeper look at history, okay, and a, right. and a, and a, and a different look at history, okay? Now, all yes. this said, though, okay, where do, where do you – I I I get it, okay, and I'm sure a lot of our audience gets it that it's important to know the history, okay, of all this, and and you know, and and understand it all in context, etc. What do you want to do with this kind of article? Where do you want it to go? 
Okay, who do you want to read? Mm-hmm. How to, that kind of thing. Where's it? Where's it right. all? Right. Well, yeah. Where does it all go? Well, Marie. there's a couple yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple things. One, um, we've had a number of folks who are teaching teachers, folks in the ed school world, ask us, you mm-hmm. know, hey, we might want to use this in our classrooms with our prospective teachers. Like, because this is okay, an aspect good. of the history of education they need to understand, that's good. right? I like it. Yep. Right. Yep, totally. Um, and I want to mention our gallery of accomplices because there are a lot of, like, actual, you know, there are a lot of white women who, even in their time, were, you know, leaders and uh, willing to challenge prevailing ideas, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, that's important models for many of us today. Like, if, you know, if you're Agreed. in a school system where, I mean, I've been talking with folks who are connected to teachers in Arkansas and Mississippi who have a lot to say about what's going on with the curriculum restrictions right now, and they're afraid to speak out. Hmm. They're afraid for their jobs. Um, So we're trying to figure out how to tell those stories. But in the meantime, those Mm -hmm. folks need historical heroes and role models, and our gallery Mm -hmm. of accomplices provides some. I mean, I'm thinking about Mertilla Minor, who uh, taught in Mississippi. She taught plantation daughters, but she wanted to teach uh, children of enslaved people, and that was illegal, right? Um, And she ended up back in Washington, D.C., teaching young, young, uh, I was going to say colored because I'm in my history mode, young black women to become teachers. Um, And her school was threatened. She had to teach in the face of mob violence. Um, but that school persisted and eventually became one of the key roots of Howard University's education department. Oh, wow. And the Mertilla Minor building is the building wow. today where Howard wow. University teachers, prospective teachers, learn how to learn how to become teachers. Oh, damn! That's a great that's a that's a great piece of important trivia. I love that. Right, okay, exactly. That's, that's it's the kind of historical connection. knowledge. That's a great connection. Right, that we. Right. Exactly, and so like we wanna we wanna inspire people to think about how you know I might not do that, but what can I do that has you know that has that kind of impact in my local space? You know what I mean? Right. And and right. they have to. And I, I labeled this show, and this to me is the the important question of all this. And you might disagree with that. I labeled this podcast matching teacher demographics to student demographics, and that's a real challenge. Okay, uh, because we, we we don't have enough African American people. I'll just use African American, but frankly, Latino as well. We don't have enough of those people becoming educators. All right. Right. Uh, and uh, this is not good. Okay, because I just use Chicago. So many, it's, uh, I don't know what percentage, but a great percentage of the kids are African American. Okay, and the, the 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 number of teachers that they have. Okay, that are African American. The ratio is not good. I can almost guarantee that. Not that I know exactly what's going on, but that's right. That that's endemic throughout the whole country. Okay, so right, and that is that's part of the package too. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll explain the, to me the reason we're having so much trouble getting. To, besides the fact that there's teacher problems, getting people to become teachers anyway. You know, if if you don't enjoy where you are for twelve years, you're not going to go to work there. Okay, we have to make right. sure that uh, African American kids really enjoy school and that we make it relevant to them. I'll just use or Latino, same thing. Okay, make it relevant to them. 
okay, and that they enjoy themselves, they're engaged in what they're learning because it is culturally relevant to them, and maybe there's a good chance that we can increase the percentage because they want to go back and teach because they really enjoyed it. They want other kids to enjoy it. But if we don't make changes, okay, we're going to continually have the same problem. You know, it's the old definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, you know, to get the same result. Okay, we got to make exactly. we got to make some changes in that. Okay, so all this said, I want to go back to the phrase you use: cultural humility. What do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I'm going to go back to that phrase. Right. That, that you mean? know that is a phrase that I learned in the process of doing this project. I think people are more familiar with phrases like cultural competence, where like you know you like I'll use myself as an example. Okay. I'm a nice white Irish Catholic person who grew up in the suburbs near Philadelphia. Actually, we have that in common. Where? Where? Uh, Wilmington, Where? Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware. Oh my God! I went to Westchester. I know Wilmington well. Oh, okay. there you wow. go. Okay, We're yeah, there, there you go. go. Right, yeah. right, totally. So you know, I came to Chicago right after college with that amazing classroom experience and landed in Uptown, which you probably know is like one of the most diverse neighborhoods on the planet, right? Absolutely. Um, Right. And I was teaching uh, returning high school students, young people who had left high school and came back. And you know what was interesting there, this is just a quick aside, but like I would ask them like, so, uh, well, how come you dropped out? And they're like, I didn't drop out. I was dropped, and I was like, what do you mean? And, like, that's actually what fueled my journalism career was understanding what push-out meant and, like, the whole dropout factory thing. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, that whole year, like, I just learned a lot, you know, like, everything from – having a conversation with like I had a I had a I have I had really small classes. I had this one English class with like five guys in it, five young African American boys and like our school so this is an alternative school. So like they could go out for lunch and there was like a sandwich stand across the street, you know, and they'd run across, they'd get their sandwich, they'd come back and it was a warm day and the windows were open and I heard one of them like, you know, um hollering at a girl, like, you know, a line or whatever. And they came back in, and I was like, why are you bothering that girl? And they're like, what do you mean? And, like, we had this big conversation about, like, is it okay to talk to people you don't know on the street, right? And, like, for the guys, and I think a lot of this is, like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks in Chicago, the Chicago to Mississippi Great Migration Link is really strong. And so, like, mm-hmm. there was a lot yes, of cultural yes. expectation. Hi, how you doing? Answer people, you know. Like, yes, it's okay to, like, make a make an overture, but, like, you don't take it too seriously if they say no, right? And, like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I was like, I don't want anybody to talk to you walking down the street, you know. <laughs> learning, learning these things or learning, like, who are the important figures that, like, not just my students need to hear about. This is the other thing. When we talk about, like, the changes we need to make in curriculum so that everybody sees themselves in the curriculum, that benefits all kids. All kids need to know these corners of history that we have chosen to de-emphasize, right? People need to know, you know, 
Black History Month beyond Black History Month. You know, Black History Month started as Black History Week, right? It's grown to a month. I mean, it's very <laughs> so challenging that. to a teacher, <laughs> yeah. like, how to weave that stuff in all year long. But that's what exactly. ultimately we want to be doing, right? Yeah. And we want to do exactly. the same thing. Like, I didn't know until my daughter was little about the – I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not going to remember the name of the people right. But the Melendez case, the Supreme Court case before Brown, where uh, the Supreme Court struck down segregation of Mexican, Mexican-American kids in I'm, California. I remember something on it's it, but Mendes I can not tell you any details. I can guarantee you that. Right. Okay, but I remember right. something. Well, and you, yeah. Right. Well, you know where I learned about that was a children's book by a wonderful author named Duncan Duncan Tanatia. Hmm. Uh, Separate is Not Equal is the title of that children's book. I found it for my daughter. Uh, Her dad is from Mexico City, so we have made a strong effort to make sure that she knows the history of uh, Mexican folks and Mexican-Americans. Um, so I've learned a lot in that process. You know what I mean? And so that's mm-hmm. that's what cultural humility is basically like that openness to an awareness that like I don't know everything. I need to know more. I need to know like what's going on in all these other things in the world and in cultures and in exactly. parts of history that maybe I didn't learn in school. And so that's really what it is. We didn't learn a lot of it in school, at least in my point of view. You know, oh, we, we taught yeah. Western civilization from a Western and Caucasian point of from a European, I should say, point of view. Yes. Okay. And, yes. Uh, boy, there was an awful lot going on that we didn't know about, okay? And we, we never learned, and I guess that's what lifelong learning is all about. We've got to make sure that the schools – that, that the schools make sure that kids understand there's a lot we're not teaching you, but we're going to teach you how yes. to find that stuff. And how that's, to find that, it. And like, yeah. yes, that, that's, that's the key. key. And then also there's, there's, there's more opportunity. Like as, as that starts to filter in, it grows, you know what I mean? Like black history goes from a week to a month. I just was able this fall to go to the Smithsonian museum of African-American history for oh, the first yeah, time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, have you been there? No, I know I have not. Have you been there I yet? I have not, but I have, okay. I have read about it. Yeah. Right, right. So like when and you I know walk it's good. through I know it's good. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. When you walk through and you see the history of European colonization, and like on one side they show it to you through a European lens, and on the other side they show it to you through the African lens. Yeah. And yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. What, and what so I just, find just interesting our capacity about that, to be it, able to do more of that, yeah. Yeah, and it, what, what's, what's, nothing's wrong with it per se, but I'll just say it this way. What's wrong with it is that we need another, a, a, a separate museum to show that, okay? We really just need a museum of American history that encompasses that, okay? But our former institutions didn't do that, and we had to create a whole right. separate, okay, one to, right. to, to, to tell the story when it's really all the same story. We just forgot to weave it in. Okay. Right. So exactly. Speak. The forgot. challenge yeah. now is yeah. how to weave yeah. it in. Well, you know, and another place that's cool on this, and I, I realize we're like getting far from Jane Crow here, but this is all the, yeah, right. the point of doing our Jane Crow package. Um, years ago, I mean, oh, like eight years ago, I was at the university of Pennsylvania museum. Um, that's a museum I loved as a kid, you know, getting like, so for folks who don't know it, it's, it's full of like the 
ancient civilizations of like the Middle East and Egypt and some yep. of Greece. Yep. So like what we think of, what we call quote unquote the cradle of civilization, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. what what the museum was starting to do then, and I haven't followed up, but I'd like to know more, is that they're really trying to show how that set of history fits into like global history worldwide. So like they had like a timeline that would show you what was happening in like Asia with like Chinese history and with like the history of the Americas and the, and like, you know, the Incas and the Mayans and the Aztecs and all of that. And they'd run this set of, they run this set of timelines like in parallel with all of that. I was like, gosh, I wish I had been taught history this way. It's hard for me to get my head around it, you know? And, like, I feel like my daughter is growing up in a world where, and she happens to be, like, a big geography and history oh, buff. I, I, like, I love her already. That's great. Oh, you, that, would, you, you would love her. She's awesome. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll point anyway, you to so a like, book. Anyway, so, like, just growing up with that different sense, you know what I mean? Anyway, go ahead. I'll point you to a book, and it's called The Silk Road, mm-hmm. okay? That's oh, a historical yeah. book. And, you know, uh, one of the things which I love about – and I taught history, okay, and I taught it wrong. Okay? Uh-huh. But one of the things was that we called the Middle Ages the Dark Ages, okay? Right. Uh, they weren't dark. Okay, they weren't dark. The, the rest of the world was flourishing. Europe was dark, okay? The rest of the world was right. flourishing like crazy, okay? And, 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 and we, we, we never taught that. We taught that those were the Dark Ages. No, they weren't. And what you were talking about, the museum – Opened your eyes to the fact that there were there were flourishing civilizations, learned civilizations, brilliant civilizations, all going on while we were trying to figure out how come everybody's got bubonic plague and dying. Okay, it's just ridiculous. Right. Okay, and we taught it wrong, and that it's, it's good that you're doing. It. That's why this stuff is so important, so that we so that that we begin to understand that there's more to the story, and I think that's what we're really trying to do here is put all this into perspective and. I think one of the things you're trying to do with these articles, you know, there's a pol- there's a political side to all this, all right? right? And the political side is these people screaming and yelling at school boards, which I hope is dying down a little bit, okay? But they're they're screaming and yelling, and people do have the right to question a school board. I don't mean to to say that, okay? And they they should ask why are we doing this? And I I, I don't, but you know, there's got to be a majority rule, okay? And there's got to be a rational discussion of it. And that's what we're talking about. We just can't go off willy-nilly, okay, screaming and yelling at each other. And that's got to tamp down a little bit, okay? So, you know, all this said, we've got to leave in just a couple of minutes, Maureen. I could go on, but we, we've got a time limit here, okay? My curious, so now we got this. We're going to put this in perspective, hopefully, for future teachers, okay, and for teachers there now. Okay, I'm going to ask you, you want teachers to read this? You want parents to read this? Again, it's Ed Post. We do. We want teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. So we want folks to come and check out Jane Crow then and now. You can find it at edpost.com. There are a lot of essays from teachers. So it's teacher-to-teacher talk, and it's specifically white women teacher-to-white women teacher talk. Um, and uh, I'd love for lots of parents to read it um, and to think about, like, you know, who do you, you know, how, you know, how do you want to be in the education space? What kind of, you know, what kind of advocate, what kind of parent, how do you want to, like, 
engage with folks in your community. Like this, I think this just gives you a lot of insight into what's really it's, going on behind, it's, like and it's the a great flashy thing. school it's board just, meeting fights. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great. You know, we read about the fights in the newspaper. Okay, but we have to put all that into perspective. And even and I, I should just should say school boards need to read this to understand where all this is coming from. Okay? Right. And and see how it all worked out and how you work these things out. And that's that's the whole thing. I mean it's just amazing. So this is all at edpost dot com slash Jane da, Jane. Jane dash Crow, Crow then and right. yeah, Jane Crow okay. then and now. Yeah, Jane, yep. Google, Jane, Jane Crow then and now. That's probably Google the Jane way. Crow then and now, and it will come right up. Exactly. There you go, and it's great stuff. And Maureen, it's a pleasure to meet you, okay? Please, okay, when all the Bright Beam stuff happens, let me know, and we'll get you back on. We can talk about all the good stuff Definitely. you're doing on that end. Okay, and Phyllis Jordan, our, my good friend from Future Ed, will be on the show next week. You're one of your pals that you work with. Okay. Exactly. I'll be listening. Thank you so much, Terrific. Larry. Great to meet you. Oh, Maureen, thank you. You have a great day. And again, Happy New Year. Thank okay. you, thank too. You. Thanks. Bye-bye. And a big thank Bye-bye. you to my friend Stacy Finkel. Thank you, Maureen. And to Stacy Finkel, my buddy, a longtime friend who put this together for me. This is a great show. I'm so glad you did this. Okay? And uh, we put it all in perspective for you, etc. Maureen is a very, very well-respected award-winning writer, so please check it out. Just go to Jane, Google Jane Crow, then and now. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. I wish everybody a happy new year again. It's January 3rd. My name's Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.